0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Elite Fantasy Basketball's Week Nine podcast. I'm Adam Stock. I'm the guy behind EFB. If you don't already follow me on Twitter at Adam G please do and consider signing up for the site as well. It's dirt cheap these days and you get daily projection updates to go along with daily articles. Before we get into all of the games, I just want to touch on the COVID situation. It's been brutal lately and honestly, it's only going to get worse. We've got a new variant that is just getting going. And is much easier to spread. We've got the players throwing Christmas parties in about a week. And we've got the league increasing their testing to make sure that they're not missing asymptomatic players. All of this adds up to what is probably going to be the ugliest stretch in fantasy basketball history. I think the last week is just a taste of what's to come. If you haven't already, do what you can to open up a streaming spot or two. You are going to need it for the next while. Probably the next month plus You're also going to want to pay more attention than usual to fantasy. I know that sucks because it's the holidays and we don't want to be watching that much basketball and we don't want to be sticking to our phones, but there are going to be a lot of sits that we have to react to and anyone not paying close attention is ripe for a beatdown. Because of what has been happening over the last week and what is almost certainly coming, I'm going to be touching on even more low end options than normal in this pod. A lot of the players that are low end now may not be low end in a week or two. The first game that we're going to look at is the Cavs versus the Rockets. The Cavs won by 35 and had a funky rotation because Mobley was out. So there isn't too, too much to talk about on their side. Dean Wade got the start and dropped 16 and 10 with three triples in 35 minutes. That's a nice line that I would ignore for now. He's had some nice stretches in the past. He was a mid-round player briefly last year. But he's not in the rotation every night when Mobley is healthy. So you can really only even stream him if we get word in advance that Mobley is definitely out. If Mobley's questionable, then I would stay away from Wade and go for someone safer. Kevin Love didn't get a bump in playing time with Mobley out, which is not all that surprising. The Cavs have been playing Love around 20 a night regardless of who's healthy. He's a must-grab in 12-teamers at the moment, though, despite the low minutes. He's been on fire lately. He's ranked inside of the top 100 on the year. Will that last... Probably not, since it's just really hard to be a top 100 guy in 20 minutes. Um Love is only doing it because he's been a top 3 permanent player this year. Um, always been a nice permanent player, but that probably won't stick. Okoro at 20 points, and you can also ignore that. He's been playing better lately, but he's now in COVID protocol, which makes him a drop everywhere. Okoro's a watch, but really just in 16-teamers and deeper since he doesn't have a fantasy-friendly game. As long as Okoro's in protocol, we should get more Osman. It's nice points of 3s out in deep leagues and a nice streamer in 12-teamers. Shen Gun was the big story on the Rockets' side, at least from a fantasy standpoint. He went for 19-11-5 with two steals and a block in 27 minutes. Yes, most of that line came against Cavaliers, third stringers in a game without Christian Wood. But he needs to be on a roster at t- in 12-team leagues at this point. Does it need to be yours? Not if you're in like 9th or 10th or something and you're 7 or 8 games out of the playoffs. But if you are comfortably in the playoffs, he's a mustache. If he's unleashed down the stretch, there's going to be a lot of lines like last night. As nasty as last night's line was. It's actually pretty in line with his permanent numbers. All of the starters were quiet due to the score, are not, and none of them played big minutes. Uh, Tate had a decent game, but he's not a high upside option. He's playing well enough to be on a 12 team roster right now. Um, but I could see that changing once the backcourt is healthy. Matthews and Brooks are nice streamers for points and threes, even though they both flopped last night. Josh Christopher has been playing a little more lately, and while he's not a grab at the moment, he is someone to keep in mind for March. Could turn into a pretty nice points, threes, and steals option in the fantasy playoffs. The Lakers-Mavs game would have been the game of the night if not for the craziness in the OKC Pelicans game. This one went to OT with Lots of big shots on both sides, including a big bank to tie it up and then a near buzzer beater from rookie Austin Reeves. Reeves is someone deep leaguers should pay attention to. He's not a great per-minute producer, but with Westbrook now in protocol and the Bradley in protocol as well, um, and with THT and Monk in there already, um, there's going to be a lot of minutes opening up. Could be a nice short-term threes and boards guy for a week or two. All the positive COVID tests also means a lot more mellow. Uh, should be added in all leagues as you'll slide in as the Lakers' third option. Uh, get, only contributes in a couple of categories, but if you need points and threes, uh, go get them. Wayne Ellington is also going to be an elite three streamer for a couple of weeks. He could easily average close to three triples a night until the Lakers get their regulars back. No Luka on the math side, so Brunson got to run the show and he took advantage. He had 25-9 with a couple of threes. He's a must-grab in all leagues and a must-start in Roto whenever Luka sits. When Doncic is healthy, Brunson is more of a top-130-ish player, which makes him worth holding in 12-team leagues, but expendable in 10-teamers. In deep leagues, he's a very nice option for punt steals teams since he gains value in that build and brings the dimes that punt steals teams usually struggle to find enough of. Dorian Finney Smith at 10 and 9 with a three despite playing through a sprained ankle. Keep an eye out for news there as it could cost him a game. He's a must add though. He's been a mid round player lately. Reggie Bullock starting did nothing. He's just a three streamer. Tim Hardaway Jr. had twenty points on nineteen shots with four threes and nine boards. The boards are a fluke and he's not a must hold in twelve team leagues. Shot the ball very poorly this year, as as have almost all of the Mavericks and he isn't doing enough to separate himself from all of the points and threes options that are always available on the wire in 12 team leagues. Kleba played 32 and had nine and seven with a block and three tr- triples the german has played at least 29 minutes in three straight games and it's worth grabbing in 14 team leagues in 12 teamers i'm not quite there yet because i don't trust the minutes kid's been playing musical chairs with his big man rotation and it would not be super shocking if Kleba went back to playing like 22 minutes a night soon Kleba is a nice fantasy option when he's given the opportunity but just unfortunately the opportunity hasn't really been there consistently this year The Wolves put off a nice upset over the Nuggets behind 38 from Anthony Edwards. That 38 included a whopping 10 threes. He's been a top 35 player this year. And I value him even higher than that since there's no rest risk here. It looks like the Wolves are going to be in the play-in chase this year. So he should be playing massive minutes all year long. Towns at 32 with plenty of extras has been a top 8 per game guy this year. But you can make the argument that he's the fourth most valuable player in fantasy. Since a lot of guys in front of him are injury risk. Russell had a solid game with 16, 8, and 7. More of a top 75 guy in roto due to the poor efficiency, but in head-to-head, he's pretty valuable uh, because you can slide him into punt field goal percentage in both 8- and 9 cat punt field goal percentage. has been a top 35 guy for punting field goal percentage. Probably something to trade for just because people aren't really that high on Russell these, these days because he hasn't lived up to the hype in real life. Vanderbilt had six and eight with a steal. That's a very forgettable line, but he continues to be a must, even in the most shallow of leagues. If he's dropped by an impatient owner, scoop him up immediately. It's been a top 50 player over the last month in nine cat, a little less than that in eight cat. In punt points or punt threes, I would try to trade for him. He has early round upside in those builds and could likely be had for a forgettable top 100-ish guy since he doesn't contribute much in the flashy categories and doesn't have much of a resume. Guys like Vandy or Wye love punt points. He feels like a depth piece on a lot of teams, but on a punt points team, he can be a stud. Speaking of punt points studs, Bev had 11 points, 8 times, 3 triples and a block, um, He's a punt point stud, but he's really pretty useful in just about every build since he can give you a little bit of everything he needs to be rostered in every fantasy league. The Wolves bench can be ignored for now. Beasley isn't going to play enough to be more than a week 14 team league option. His minutes didn't really spike even when the Wolves were having some injury issues. McDaniels is just a fairly forgettable defensive category streamer. And Nas Reed, who I like quite a bit and who would be interesting in a big role is just a streamer as long as Towns is healthy. The Bucks took down the Pacers 114 to 99. As with a lot of teams these days, the main story at the Bucks is COVID. DiVincenzo's return has been pushed back because he's in protocol and now Bobby Portis is in protocol. Dante being out is a boost for Connington and Allen. Connington could get into trouble once Didi is back, but until then he's must hold. Try to hold him for at least a few games once DiVincenzo is back as well. It's hard to see how DiVincenzo doesn't hurt connington but you know you never know i remember last year i got burnt by tj because he completely flawed for two games after Levert came back and then all of a sudden his minutes went way back up and he crushed it for the rest of the year so we want to avoid a situation like that Grayson Allen has a decent opportunity in front of him, but since he's been playing so poorly, I'm not too interested. He's just a streamer in 12-team leagues and a so-so option in deep leagues. Uh, with Portis out likely 10-plus days, it's time to stream DeMarcus Cousins. I doubt he'll start playing 30 minutes a night, but even, say, 24 would make him pretty useful. Cousins is still a really, really strong permanent producer, even if his real-life impact is pretty shaky these days. Uh, Jordan Nora is also worth considering as a short-term ad if you need points, threes, and a handful of boards. He had a few nice games early in the year before falling off pretty hard, but last night he did have 15 points, one, three, six boards and three swipes in a start. He doesn't have any long-term value though, so he's just someone to slide into your streaming spot, not someone to drop someone potentially useful for. Indy's rotation is still COVID-free for now. Their starting lineup is pretty predictable. Sabonis and Levert continue to trend up. It's not a huge surprise with Sabonis, but I was getting a little worried about Levert. He's been a mid-round guy lately, and his manager should be hoping that he's not traded. I worry that he'll end up as just a six-man on a different team. It's not a huge impact guy in real life, and I don't think there's a ton of good teams out there who would be willing to play him as much and give him as much usage as the Pacers have been willing to give him. Brogdon had 12-5-5 five and five last night with three triples, he's turned back into just a mid-round guy after an early round start. If you've had Brogdon before, that should not be even somewhat surprising. This is the third year in a row where he's come out on fire before falling off pretty hard. We just got to hope that he just falls off and ends up as a top maybe like 55 guy instead of a top 100 guy. A couple years ago, he wasn't even a top 100 guy over the last uh, half of the year. Duarte only played 26. He didn't do much. He's actually coming off the bench tonight, so it looks like he could lose some minutes going forward. He's had a few nice lines lately, but his last three games have been pretty bad. I view him as just a 13th man on a 12-team roster at the moment, but he should end up as more than that eventually. In 14-teamers, he should be held for his potential. In 12-teamers, I do think he's kind of borderline. No one on the Pacers bench needs to be rostered, but you should watch set because if he does get big minutes after a trade, he could be a mid-round guy, as we saw last year. Our next game is the Pelicans versus Thunder, which had one of the wildest finishes you will ever see. That's not, not hyperbole. I won't swell it for you if you haven't seen it yet but you should check it out multiple things happened in the last few seconds that probably had like a three percent chance of happening Ingram led the Pels with 34 it was a scary start but it seems like he's back at least on a per game basis it's been an early round option lately we still have to worry about the Pels record leading to some early shutdowns. but from a per game perspective I'm not too worried about Ingram at the moment hard at 11 7 and 5 and needs to be rostered everywhere he's playing massive minutes he's been a top 75 guy over the last month as well he's not a borderline player to me Herb Jones is a borderline player, but he is a very nice defensive categories option. But he's not for every team. If you do need steals and blocks, give him a look. If you're already set there, pass on him. Devontae Graham is a hold in punt field goal percentage and very droppable everywhere else. He's a drop in Roto as well. He shot thirty four point five percent over the last month and isn't doing nearly enough to offset that. I try to trade him before dropping him though, as he's someone as someone in your league is likely going to pay up for his dimes. Not was poor again, and it's just a 16-team league option at this point. Honestly, he's pushing the boundaries of 16-team league consideration as well. Like In 16-team leagues, I I wouldn't love him outside of punt field goal percentage. Just having a real disappointing season, especially after what we saw last year. A quick note on Zion before we move on. He's not even getting reevaluated for another six to eight weeks, which means the end of January or early February. He's not going to come back right after he's reevaluated. And with the All Star break in mid February, you have to think that he'll be held out through that. That means, in a best case scenario, we're not seeing him until March. And that's a best case scenario. If the COVID situation continues to be super ugly, and it probably will be, I'm not against dropping him right now if you can't afford to take the L's. Obviously, you want to try to hold, like wait till you guys actually go into protocol. But at this point, if you're holding Zion, you're holding him with hopes that it gives you like 15 quality games. Like that feels like his ceiling at this point. That is not a lot of games. The Thunder are probably the most boring team in fantasy. SGA had a monster game with 33 and tons of extras. I view him as a top 50-ish guy. He has more per-game potential than that, but due to his poor shooting and lack of steals, he's ranked a little lower than that on the year. We also have to worry about a shutdown, although I don't think that's a lock. I think people kind of overstate the shutdown risk a little bit. It is there, but I don't think they're going to play out this year as they did last year. Giddy got 37 minutes and dropped 17, 9, and 7 with a 3 and a steal. The rookie has only been a borderline top 150 player this year, but I'd be holding him in 10-team leagues. If this was the fantasy playoffs, then I call him borderline, I call him expendable in 10-teamers, but since he's got plenty of time to ramp up and since the opportunity is going to be there all year long, you have to hold in shallow leagues and see where it goes. Lou Dort was out, which allowed Muscala and uh, Kenrich Williams to have nice games, but neither player is worth rostering, not playing enough to be valuable even in 16-team leagues. OKC at this point is SGA, Gideon, Dort, and no one else for fantasy purposes. The Hawks made light work of the Magic. They only won by 12, but the score is deceiving. The Magic made it respectable in garbage time. Because of the score the Hawks starters played, a little less than usual. Herder only got 26, but he's been in the low 30s most nights, so hold tight. He's been giving his managers about top 100 numbers, and we'll take that. Should get that for at least a couple more weeks. Reddish played 26 off the bench, had 13 points, 3 triples, and a steal. Just a 16-teamer out. His numbers outside of points, 3 steals, and free throw percentage, none of which are exceptional, are like extremely bad and really kill his value. He's averaging just 2.7 rebounds per game and 0.9 assists per game, and is shooting 40.6% from the floor. Gallo played 24 minutes and posted a low end but useful line. Should be rostered right now. He's been a top 50 player over the last couple of of weeks and brings a level of free throw percentage impact that you just can't find on the wire. Gallo can still be elite in the category even when he's only playing 24 minutes. Hunter's return might end Gallo's run of usefulness but we'll worry about that when it happens. This was an ugly game for all of the Magic starters. RJ Hampton got a spot start with Gary Harris out and was the only one who posted a nice line. Hampton could be useful in March when the Magic really rev up the tank but for now he's just a super deep league guy. Wagner had a rare bad game that I wouldn't worry about he should be valued as a clear top 100 guy i'm not too worried about isaac's return if that ever happens when it comes to wagner the magic are clearly very committed to the rook they were giving him tons of minutes even when he was really struggling and with how good he's looked lately i can't see them cutting his minutes Chuma also got a spot start with Bomba missing the game with an ankle injury. There's nothing to see here. He's only playing minutes in the low 20s these days and isn't even a 16-team league option. Still on too many rosters. He only has a shot at usefulness if Wagner goes down. My guy T. Ross kept it going with 18 off the bench, and while he didn't hit any threes, he did have eight dimes, a steal, and a block. The dimes are a fluke, but the strong play is not. Ross seems to have woken up from his early season slumber. He's been a top 65 guy over the last two weeks. He's not going to be that good going forward, but top 100 numbers are not out of the question, at least as long as he's on the magic. He's done it before. He's usually pretty decent. Really, this year has been the outlier. The shorthanded Heat got a great win over the Sixers and somehow did it with Lowry having a very so-so night. Duncan Robinson had 21 and four threes. He also had eight boards, which is a fluke. He's fine as a short-term add with the Heat so beat up, but I wouldn't be dropping anyone who could be solid during the fantasy playoffs. Robinson just hasn't been the same guy this year and wasn't doing anything before the injuries. Gabe Vincent had a really nice game. He had 26 with seven threes. Nice points and threes option until either Jimmy or Hero are back. He's another guy who is only for streaming slots, though. He has no long-term value. Deadman went ham with 10 points, 14 boards, 5 dimes, and 2 steals. I won't call him a must hold as all, as his production has been all over the place really since Bam went down, but there's nothing wrong with holding onto him in 12 teamers or even 10 team setups. It's not like we have a ton of quality big man options these days. On the Sixer side, Theibel started but only played 14 minutes. Looks like he's getting benched tonight as well. Looks like Danny's going to be starting again. Did have a steal in two blocks, but the rest of his line was even uglier than usual. The starting spot didn't lead to extra minutes anyways, which makes him a very build-specific guy for now. In punt points, he's definitely a must. He's a must roster, but in other builds, what to do with him comes down to how much of a push you are making for the popcorn categories. Danny Green got 28 minutes because he was hot. It looks like it's going to... Lead to a start tonight. He had three triples, six boards, and five steals. Green is always a tricky player to make recommendations on because when he's good, he's real good. He can be like a top 60 guy for a month, month and a half. But then when he's bad, he's worse than most low-end options. I'd hold in 14 teamers. In 12, I'd just be streaming for now until we see the minutes jump back up consistently. Drummond is the other sixer that I want to talk about before we move on. He's only played 10 minutes last night and had zero points zero shots four boards and a steal I know it sucks but you can't drop and if you don't think you can hold trade him you should be able to find a buyer especially if the Embiid manager isn't you if you have Embiid then sorry you have to hold Drummond even if he's averaging zero zero and zero for the next two weeks We'll move on to the Grizzlies versus the Blazers. The Grizzlies continue to kill it without Ja, and the Blazers continue to look like a team that needs to blow it up. Memphis took this one by 10. Tyus Jones only had 12-3, and but he's a must-hold in all leagues. Just a two-cat guy, but he's a damn good one. Doing a real nice 2020 TJ McConnell impression. Dylan Brooks had 22 with two threes, seven boards, and six dimes. He's a sell-high. When Morant is back, Brooks will likely be one of those guys who works in punt field goal percentage, can be a top 100 guy in that build, but are just streamers elsewhere because they kill you so badly from the floor. If you can get a top 100 guy for him, then that's probably going to end up as a big win. Bain had 23 and five threes and should continue to crush with Morant out. He's a sell-high too, though, since all his value is tied to usage, and Morant obviously is going to have an impact on his usage Adams had one of his better games recently with 10 points and 14 rebounds with three steals. It's a real nice line, but most nights Adams has been pretty rough. He's not rosterable in Roto and is ranked just outside of the top 209 cat on the year. In head-to-head leagues, he's just a deep league punt free throw percentage guy. I don't want to see him on any teams in 10-team leagues. Kyle Anderson had a monster game off the bench. He had 13 points, 11 rebounds, and 3 assists with 3 steals and 2 blocks. He's a back-end option in 12-teamers, but you really need to put him in punt points to make him a clear long-term hold. In 14-team leagues, he should be rostered as he has been a top 150 player this year, and he is providing pretty useful numbers and boards. In the defensive categories, if JJJ were to ever go down, he would be a must-add. Melton is the other notable Grizzlies reserve. He's only scored three points last night, but he did have six boards, three assists, one steal, and one block. He's fine as a back-end guy, but I wouldn't call him a must-hold because I just don't see his minutes getting into the upper 20s again. If it's not happening with Morant out, it's probably not going to happen. Jenkins just doesn't view Melton as a big minutes guy. On the Portland side, Dame had another inefficient game. There's not much to do here. Besides hope for the best, he was rolling before he took some time off, so I don't think it's impossible that he turns it around. I would not be trading him right now because, one, the value that you're likely going to get back is rough. Maybe you can get a top 25 guy from him, but if you do that, you're going to be really lowering your team's ceiling. Do you really want to go into the playoffs without a first rounder on your roster? And the second reason is the Blazers' playoff schedule. It's pretty nasty in the setup that is the default for most Yahoo leagues. Even if Dame does continue to struggle, he should be great in the playoffs due to volume, assuming that he's out on the court. Norma at 25 with four threes, six boards, five dimes, two steals, and two blocks. That is a monster line. I love to see that from Pal. Norma's been up and down this year, but I'm not too worried about him. His recent downturn was just due to a cold streak from the floor. When he's shooting decently, he's a good bet for top 80 numbers with the potential for a little more. can usually be a top 50, top 60-ish guy when he's running hot. Little played 34, he didn't do much. He's not a high upside guy. Fine in 14-teamers and a must in 16-teamers, but in 12, he's just a boards and D-stats streamer. Nance played 31 and produced a low-end but useful line. He's a must-grab in all leagues. I'm not sure he's going to be a top 100 player this year since his permanent numbers have been down this season, but if 30 minutes does start to be the norm, then he'll probably get there. Simon's had 22 off the bench and had four threes in 29 minutes. He's not a must-grab in 12 teamer since he's a two-cat guy, but if you need points and threes until CJ's back, you could do a lot worse. The Kings beat the Wizards by 14. Unfortunately, we can't say much about the Kings right now because they have a COVID breakout going on that we don't know much about at the moment. I'm sure we'll get more info soon, so keep an eye on my Twitter for news. Fox has already been ruled out, which would make Mitchell a must-grab if he himself doesn't have COVID as well. Go ahead and add if you have a move to burn, but if every move counts this week, hold off for now. Barnes had a decent game with 19-5-3 on good shooting. He's been struggling lately since coming back from injury but I wouldn't call him a buy low. If you can get him for a top 100 guy then like sure but you probably can't. We still don't have a clear idea of what his role is going to be under Gentry and I worry that it won't be as hefty as it was under Walton. No homes last night. Alex Len got the start. We can just ignore him, though, because he's in COVID pro call as well. Uh, he's He's got to ignore anyways. He had 6-6 six six with the block last night. When he's healthy, he's fine as a streamer, but that's really all he is, even in deep leagues. Meadow moved back to the bench and only played 16. He's a drop, although someone to watch, given the Kings COVID issues, maybe Barnes or one of the other starters goes down, and Meadow starts to start again. If he played 28 minutes in a game, he'd be useful for his boards, threes, and D-stats. Buddy had 15 points with four threes. It's been a rough stretch for Buddy, but I'm holding. A lot of his struggles are just due to poor shooting, which should correct hims itself. We've been hearing a lot of trade rumors surrounding Heald, but I remain skeptical that he'll actually be moved. This is like the third year in a row where the media has been telling us that a Buddy trade is just around the corner. The Wizards are coming back down to earth, but at least Beal had a nice game last night. He had 30 on decent shooting for once, although he did go two for four from the line. I have no explanation for the free throw shooting. We just have to hope his struggles reverse themselves. They they, they, They should, but you never know. Just ask Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis. Some guys just get the yips and sometimes they stick. Beal is still a great buy low target. I don't think he has top 20 per game upside this year since his free throw attempts have been cut in half, but he could be a top 20 player on a totals basis during the fantasy playoffs due to the Wizards 4-4-4 playoff schedule and what is the default playoff weeks on Yahoo. Kuzma played 32 and only had 6-3. and uh, this was his return from COVID, so I wouldn't worry too much. I would be holding for now. It can take some guys some time to get back to normal after having COVID, and his role is safe as long as Hachimura is out. Kuz could become a drop later in the season, but not right now. Dinwiddie was god-awful with 4-6-4 and four on 2 for 8 shooting. Not even close to being a standard league player right now, especially when you factor in the rest days. Try to trade him first, but if you can't, then I'm fine with dropping. I've never really gotten the hype on Dinwiddie. Put up some nice numbers on a so-so Nets team a couple of years ago. But to me, he's always just been a backup point guard. In points leagues, Dinwiddie should be held, though. That format is a lot more friendly to him. Gafford had an early scare with his ankle, but came back and had 14-6 with a steal on 6-7 for shooting. No blocks, but usually his money there. He's been a top 65 guy lately and has been taking some minutes from Harrell. I'm not too worried about Thomas Bryant at the moment, because who knows what Bryant will look like, and the Wizards really need Gafford's defense. KCP had a so-so game, remains a quality 12-team hold for threes and steals. If you don't need those cats, then you can send them to the wire. Harrell has been trending down as Gafford has been trending up, but I'd still be holding for the moment. Still his mid-round upside, he just has to get going. Bertans only played 16 minutes and didn't do much after exploding for 21 points with five threes in his last game. The big minutes last game were just because he was hot and Kuzma was out. Now that Kuzma is back, you can ignore Bertans in all leagues. The Hornets took down the Spurs by 16 in a high-scoring affair. Hayward at 41. He has quietly had a very nice year despite both Bridges and LaMelo breaking out. His upside isn't quite as high as it once was due to the youngsters, but Hayward is looking like a real nice pick at his ADP, especially in friendly builds. Cody Martin also had a big night with 21 points on great shooting. Four threes, eight boards, and three dimes. Also added a block. Lamello is probably back next game, but I'm holding Martin for at least another week or so to see what the rotation looks like. He's just been damn good this year. He's been top 55 player over the last month. I'm not confident that he's going to be a top 100 player when LaMelo is healthy, but I'm not confident that he'll be a drop either. Let's just see where this goes. Try to be patient with Martin. Plum dog came back, played 22 and had 5, 6, and 4. He's a nice low end, big in punt free throw percentage. Add him if you need big man numbers and a punting free throw percentage. He also gives you nice low end dines. However, outside of that build, I would not call him a must add it. As he's really regressed from the line this year and comes with a massive free throw percentage hit. He's only hitting about 1 in every 3 free throws. That is really tough. P.J. Washington played 29 despite Plumlee coming back. That's great to see, but we can't get excited until we see what the rotation looks like with LaMelo. Hold for now and hope for the best. Ubre was cold and only played 16 minutes. Last night felt like a pre-LaMelo protocol Ubre Before LaMelo had to sit, Ubre had been getting minutes on nights when he was hot and getting benched on nights when he was cold. I do hope you sold high because Oubre is going to come back to earth really hard. Probably end up as just a 13th man in 12-teamers. Don't drop, but he's about to take a huge hit. Keldon Johnson and Bryn Forbes led the way for the Spurs. Keldon had 21 and 3 triples and did nothing else. That sounds like Keldon. Johnson can be a borderline top 100 guy in points leagues, but in category leagues, he's at best the 13th man in 12-team settings and really is only useful in punt free throw percentage. In 10-team leagues, that would drop him despite the flashy points per game. Forbes did all of his damage in 19 minutes and is just a points and three streamer with a low floor due to the potential to have very low minute games. McDermott is just a low end points and three streamer as well. It was nice last week, but that was just because they had five games. Vassell played 24 minutes and had 10 points with a steal and a block. Should be rostered. You just need to be patient with him. Since he came back, the Spurs have been very conservative with his minutes. They have been going up, but very slowly. He should get back to around 26 a night soon, which is enough to make him a top 100 player. He's another guy you want to be patient with. He does have top 50 upside down the stretch of this season. Our last game of the day is the Jazz versus the Clips. The Jazz took this one by 21. Utah is a pretty straightforward team from a fantasy perspective. Mitchell and Gobero are locked in as early round players. Conley is a scary to own mid-round option. And Bogdanovich is a borderline top 100 player who I would value slightly higher than that since he dominates free throw percentage, which almost no player ranked outside of the top 50 does. Royce O'Neal is also a must-have. He's been a top 75 guy this year, and he's been trending up. He is an excellent uh, trade target in punt points since he'll come for dirt cheap, and he could be a top 50 guy in your build. Clarkson is a nice option for punt field goal percentage, but outside of that build, he's just low end. He's very expendable in 10-team leagues as well, and even in 12, he's not a must-hold if something really nice is out there. Clarkson's only been a top 170 player this year. Joe Ingles is just a streamer for his threes and dimes, no longer gets steals, and that kind of kills his value. Whiteside is just a streamer for big man numbers. He's been up and down, started up, went down, been up lately, but he's not going to play enough to be more than a 16-team league guy, obviously a must-add if Gobert were to ever go down. Rudy Gay has fallen off after a very hot start and is just a 16-team option who can help you win threes and boards. On the Clippers' side, Morris had 24 for the second game in a row. He's a strong points and threes add until George is back, but after that he's more of a 14-team league option, as he does nothing outside of points and threes. Canard and Mann are playing big minutes right now, but both should be viewed as short-term options outside of very deep leagues. Once PG and Batum are back, both will lose a ton of value. Zubek only played 18, but he's a hold. It was just a bad game, and Hardenstein was hot. Zubek has been a borderline top 100 guy this year. He could stick in that range. I don't think it's a lock, because I guess... Ibaka could eventually get healthy, but I'll believe that when I see it. Hardenstein had 15-5 and five on good shooting with a steal and a block. He is absolutely crushing it now despite only getting minutes in the mid-teens a lot of nights over the last month. He's been a top 95 player in only 16.3 minutes per game. That is incredibly impressive. I'd add in 14 team leagues in 12. i still call him more of a streamer despite that nice ranking. Abaka should impact him eventually, but who knows when that will be. Bledsoe had 21 off the bench in 31 minutes, which is a fluke. Bledsoe hadn't scored more than 10 points in any of his last seven games. I wouldn't be adding even in 16 team leagues. And with that, that's all we've got for the day. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a great holiday season and that the fantasy gods smile in your team's directions. You better hope that they do because the next few weeks are going to get real ugly in the fantasy basketball world. If you do get unlucky and need to make some tricky decisions, feel free to shoot me a message on Twitter at AdamGstock. I'll try to get back to you as soon as I can. Enjoy the holidays, everyone.